Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Uh, before we get into the podcast today, I just want to uh, give a big thank you to everybody that's leaving us uh, ratings and reviews on your podcast player. Please do that and do leave us any suggestions for topics to be covered on the podcast. Very much appreciate that. So for today's podcast, we're kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thanks for being here today. Good morning, John. Good to be back. So just speaking before the podcast, we're coming in towards the end of the year. Both of us are very hectic at the moment. Uh, And given what's happening in the market, uh, it looks as though many market participants are having a busier beginning to December than they may have thought this time last week before we got the first reports of the Omicron variant, Alan. And now I think that's something that we're going to have to touch on today because it's the biggest story out there in markets at the moment. Of course, you know, if we go back a week or two, we were very much looking towards a potential rate hike. And that was the big story. Of course, inflation persists. But now with the introduction of this new variant, there is a different dimension to markets now in that there is volatility returning to markets, particularly if you're looking at um, equities, if you're looking at the FTSE 100 and what that's been doing over the past three or four trading sessions, a real roller coaster ride there. But Alan, in your view, um, we, we're now in, in December and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Santa rally and, you know, is there a potential for that? I mean, what would you be saying to people that are looking at this volatility? I mean, do you see it as a as an opportunity or do you think this could be you know, a real problem for investors going forward? Uh, well, uh, John, John, I, I see it as a big opportunity. Um we were saying beforehand about uh, the way viruses work, and of course, viruses are ultimately programmed to survive. Um, and if the virus kills the host, then the virus dies. So um, this uh, this new variant, and, and you know, I, I don't want to be cynical, but I mean, the virus isn't doesn't just suddenly change into something else. It's evolving the whole time. So we've got Omicron, which incidentally is also an anagram for moronic, but that's another story. Um, we, we, and we, we've got Omicron, we've got uh, the virus evolving the whole time. There are probably hundreds of other so-called variants out there at the moment. But um, in, in, in all cases, we're seeing probably the virus becoming more transmissible, uh, i.e. more infectious, um, but less lethal. So, um, And I know somebody that's got uh, COVID at the moment, and they're just saying they feel lousy, you know, it's a bad case of flu, um, you know, joints are aching, all the rest of it. Um, but uh, they're getting on with stuff and uh, and getting stuff done. Um, so uh, ultimately, I think this is hopefully the virus uh, evolving into something that is akin to a, a different form of flu uh, that we'll experience in the winter, um, in the winter time, and will hopefully... Uh, as the warmer weather comes back uh, next year, will hopefully become less of an issue. Um, but overall, do we need to lock down? Um, I think, you know, I, I have on a personal level, you know, I will wear a mask if I go into a shop, I'll wear a mask on the train and just observe 
I've, I've observed that all the way through. So I just think it's a common sense approach. And um, I think and I hope that we're in the last stages of this now. What it will mean for the economy, um, I believe that, uh, you know, the the announcement of the Omicron vir- uh, virus created an opportunity for um investors to buy into the markets at a lower level we've seen the bounce back today uh, we could be at the start of a santa rally which would be great um and uh, and then uh, my hope is that we will see a strong drive into 2022 um and we have a lot of um uh, uh stocks in the commodity uh sector that are going to be powering the, the new economy that really have languished over the past um, six to eight months. And I think there are huge opportunities there for investors to look at um, at the start of next year. Indeed. So let's now, Alan, touch on the Santa's rally. It was quite fitting, actually. Last night, we received a report um, from Clear Capital Markets, which actually had some very interesting stats in terms of the Santa rally statistics around it. So, in December, going back over the last 22 years, there's been an average return of 1.9% um, from the beginning of December through to the end of December. If you're looking at that seven-day period, which some people call a Santa's rally, um, just before Christmas going through to the end of December, there's about a seven-day period there. Average return over that period uh, for the last 22 years is not. 0.53%. So statistically, we are set for gains in December. If you're going back and looking at the historical averages, that doesn't mean that we're definitely set for December gains this year because there have been some Decembers out there which have had losses. But one of the, uh, the main things during December is there is a, a period of heightened volatility uh, around markets. Now, of course, we're coming into December. On the, on the back of uh, the news around the, the variants and we've had significant volatility beforehand. Do you think when you're looking at the, the sort of timeline of how the markets digested this new news about the variant, that a lot of the volatility could have already happened in markets, um, Alan? And do you think we could actually now start to see a bit of a quieter uh, December and, and maybe a slow grind higher from here? Yeah, I do, John. Uh, I, I think uh, I think you know we've uh, we've seen the FTSE. Um, well, we've seen markets, not the FTSE, uh, driven by um, by different uh, di- different uh, uh, stocks and companies. Uh, you know, obviously in, in the height of the virus, it was the PPI companies and the the companies uh, developing. Um, developing vaccines and so on and we're now we're now at the point where life is returning to normal and a lot of the stocks that have really taken a battering uh you know particularly since uh march 2020 um could now deliver a a recovery um and of course i I think what the virus has taught us is that you know in as as the world develops we're going to see probably more of these viruses uh, um, uh, arriving and creating problems, but um, the way each country has dealt with it, uh, the way the vac- vaccine campaigns have been rolled out, um, I think I think now we're we we understand what we need to do in order to combat it. We understand how we need to behave in order to deal with it in our day to day lives, and and I do think that uh, my hope is 
that we do avoid a lockdown. I think we will. Um, and uh, provided the NHS can keep on top of the cases that uh, are being hospitalised at the moment, that's the most important thing. And what that will mean is um, that, you know, retailers, bars, uh, travel companies will start to see uh, a, a return to normal. It will still take a long time. They've taken a hell of a battering over the past year. But, um, you know, th- there is pent up demand. You know, there's pent up demand for leisure. There's pent up demand for um, for uh, 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 entertainment, pent up demand for holidays abroad. And all of this is is there waiting. The money's there waiting, ready to, ready to be spent. Indeed. And I mean, looking at early comments from South Africa, which first discovered the variant, um, they said they're seeing uh, cases being mild in terms of uh, the coronavirus. Uh, and uh, quite interestingly, uh, an official there said that the UK should stop panicking uh, because it's not as bad as we're making yeah. out. However, we, we need to see the data. We need to see more data. You know, of course, you know, the comments from people can't be taken um, as given. We need to see uh, numbers and you know, broad-based uh, infections. But it looks as though uh, it's not as bad as uh, the market made out last Friday when we saw a huge sell-off in, in equities and the, and the FTSE 100. Um, one such company on that day last week on the announcement, Alan, was EasyJet. And they actually reported yesterday, they did report a loss, not as bad as expected. But what did their full year results tell us? Well, uh, yeah, as you say, John, the, the results weren't as bad as expected. I mean, looking at the EasyJet chart now, shares are trading at £5.24. And that's, you know, the the, the all-time, well, the five-year low is down at four fifty-seven, dollars uh, which was, uh, which, in fact, no, there's an intraday low that was lower than that uh, last year, um, uh, just above, um, j- just below, just below four pounds. So, um, so we're not far off the, uh, the uh, five-year lows here. Um, but uh, the results um, that came in, the, the pre pre-tax losses weren't um, as bad as expected. They uh, they came in at one point one billion, which is still a huge amount of money. But again, in the context of uh, company sides of EasyJet, um, you know those are those are certainly manageable. Uh, headline costs fell to two point six billion, but um, uh, obviously at the stage it announced its results, you know some of the inherent panic around Omicron was still in the market, and you know that's that's obviously got to be assessed. Um, so what that will mean for for EasyJet is that you know I'd probably expect to see the shares stay depressed around this sort of level. Um, over the winter period, if there is a Santa rally, then you know, obviously, as part, as a one of the bigger players, it will it will benefit from that. But um, uh, the first quarter of the new financial year, um, it, it's expected to see capacity um, uh, taken taken on its flights um, at around sixty five percent of pre COVID levels. So that's still very low. But of course, uh, you know, if the if there is a sense that uh, or if, if data does confirm that the Omicron uh, variant is what we think, it's just it's a, a more infectious, led, less deadly version, then we can deal with it a different way. And it will mean that uh, people can look forward to traveling again, that, you know, you get uh, double vaxxed, you'll get your booster, and then you can get on a plane, you know, take your take your NHS COVID pass with you, and, and you can travel. Um the company, of course, EasyJet said it wasn't; it wouldn't be paying a dividend again, quite understandably. But um, uh, I, I think it, you've got to look 
when we do get a recovery, where the which companies are going to benefit first of all. And, you know, in an instant, you can get online and think, right, well, I'm going to book a flight. I'm going to go to Spain. I'm going to go to Portugal. I'm going to go to Greece. I'm going to jump on a flight. I'm going to do it because I think we're going to be okay. So I think we will see. I think we will see uh, a big upswing in EasyJet's fortunes in quarter one next year. Um, and it could be, uh, you know, if we do get back to normal, in inverted commas, whatever that means, um, if we do go back to normal next year, I think EasyJet is going to be one of the main beneficiaries uh, um, in that process. And, you know, if, if you look at buying the shares or picking up the shares now for recovery, it's... It's hard to see them going much lower, knowing what we now know about COVID. So uh, they could offer could offer a great opportunity from here. But of course, shares can go down as well as up. Indeed. I mean, my view, just looking at their report yesterday, one of the things that jumps out at me is, you know, what they did in terms of raising capital uh, during the pandemic when it first hit, raised a significant level of capital. And they still have, they're saying, liquidity of $4.4 billion. Uh, Most of that is cash and cash equivalent. So when you're looking at EasyJet with a market cap of $3.9 billion, it, it, it does suggest to me uh, that if we get any good news and, and we start to see this pent-up demand um, coming through and actually seeing a rising in, in, in bookings for EasyJet. And yeah. um, this is one that could really get going. And if we're talking about shares for recovery from COVID, uh, this is very much up there for me. Uh, of course, you know, the volatility that we can see. And if we, I mean, if we get a comment coming out or some data coming out that indeed the, the Omicron uh, variant is uh, more infectious, it's a little bit, you know, it's increasing hospitalizations and, and impacting the death rate. Expect to see EasyJet uh, shares go down further. Uh, but there's a lot of people that missed out on holidays last year, a lot of people that missed out on holidays this year. Um, going forward to next year, you'd like to think that the vaccines are then at a point and enough people have taken them that we start to see people on a, on a wider basis going away. And EasyJet's really going to be uh, a beneficiary of that. And given the amount of cash that they've got there, Yep. Um, that's enough to get them through to that point, as well as um, you know building on new opportunities that they see as, as, as the holiday market develops. So, yeah, an interesting one, and, and I think this could be an opportunity. The Omicron for EasyJet. I agree. I agree. And also, let, let's not forget, in terms of its um, of its network and slots at airports around the world, EasyJet is it's probably got the best network. So. Um, if you're looking at a, a company that can deliver a scalable recovery, um, the company's got the cash, it's got the network that it can it, that can instantly scale up and deliver very rapid growth in a very short space of time. Um, and also, as you say, it's got cash. So there may be some other operators that come out of this um, and are unable to continue. So it may create some opportunities for EasyJet uh, as the recovery takes place may uh, create some opportunities for EasyJet to perhaps pick up some other some other operators and some other networks. Indeed, they say cash is king in, in, in this airline industry at the moment. There's a lot of people uh, burning through cash and EasyJet are well positioned. So I think that's going to do them quite well as we come out the other side of this. So moving on now, Alan, let's focus on the company uh, operating in the gold sector. 
Uh, of course, gold's been quite an interesting one mm. over the last uh, over the last week. It's been used as a safe haven. It's also been falling off. There's comparisons uh, with Bitcoin, and you know we could speak for for hours about gold and, and where it's you know where it's placed in the global market is at the moment. But we're going to focus on one company, uh, Lexington Gold. We have mentioned them on the podcast previously, Alan, but they're uh, they've had a number of updates since then. So what's uh, what's been happening there? Okay, so Lexington Gold, it, it's it's a nice, uh, I say binary play. It, it's not binary, it's, but it's got, it has um, uh, assets in South Carolina, um, and of course South Carolina, in terms of, uh, as a destination for gold exploration, it's um, it, it's got it's got great uh, networks, uh, a lot of history there. Uh, there's the Haley Gold property there. Um, uh, Romarco bought uh, the Haley Gold property uh, property in. 2008 sold it to Oceana Gold for 856 million dollars in 2015, uh, and there are so you've got the Ridgeway Mine uh, owned by Rio Tinto, the Barite Hill Mine, and uh, a number of others uh, uh, around. Um, and uh, what uh, Lexington Gold did, um, it acquired um, a number of projects: the Gold Jones Keystone Laughlin project, which uh, involved historical gold mines across two regions. Um, uh, with, uh, w- with with decent grades uh, already discovered and uh, logged for that uh, for, for for that mine, um, the Jennings Pioneer Mine um, discovered 1860, um, and that's uh, approximately 600 meters from the Barite Hill Mine I mentioned, um, and uh, it's believed there's a satellite deposit there. Uh, some very strong grades have been pulled out of the ground from there too. Um, also, we have the Carolina Bell Mine, um, and that uh, that combines several historical mining areas, the Iola and Uwara uh, 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 mining areas, and the Argo Project, which is a drill-ready project, again, where decent grades have been taken out of the ground. So over the past year, um, the, uh, the, the uh, company has engaged in developing its flown Aeromag surveys and uh, uh, um, electronic magnet surveys uh, across the the uh, territories and uh, in may uh, uh, undertook uh, drilling at the jkl uh, that's the jones keystone laughlin uh, 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 mine um, at the half year report in september it announced it had completed 5000 meters of reverse circulation drilling at jones keystone laughlin um, and uh, six holes are drilled had uh, it had found gold mineralization of over one gram per ton above 100 meters. Um, going forward, um, the company uh, reported a cash balance of 2.1 million dollars. So the company is uh, well funded. It, it plans to uh, um, it, it plans to uh, 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 develop and uh, and uh, complete a mineral resource estimate for the Laughlin project in the coming weeks, uh, following a, a survey undertaken by pivot mining um, and it's announced this morning that the Carolina Bell um, drilling campaign has been completed with 32 holes um, the samples that it's pulled out of the ground or the rock chip samples have got good visual indicators of the presence of gold and it sent those 738 samples in all it sent those samples to SGS Canada for analysis so um, given that uh, COVID has uh, um, uh, uh, created delays in getting samples back from these labs. It may take a little bit of time for those to come back, but nonetheless, great progress across all projects. And we 
we expect to see, um, I think, uh, uh, further developments at Carolina Bell and JKL um, early in 2022. Alan, always like to ask this question when there's a company that has a number of assets and operations uh, ongoing. I mean, which of those that you've just outlined there excites you the most? Well, I, I think uh, JKL and Carolina Bell. I mean, we, we, we've got to be, you know, there are historic historical workings um, at all of them. Um, uh, but certainly in terms of progress, um, the company identified these two projects as the key projects um, to and, and, they're, and they're furthest down the road. So uh, if we get some good numbers back from Carolina Bell, for, from the rock chip samples there, that's going to, that's going to sort of, Moving on to the next stage, you know, don't, let's not forget we've got the it's it's in an historical mining area. Um, the the Iola uh, mine there, um, there, there were forty five thousand uh, ounces of gold. You wore a five thousand ounces, so very strong grades um, historically pulled out of those mines at ten grams per ton. And obviously, you know, given where given the strength of gold now, and uh, you know the you know, what, what are we now just under eighteen hundred dollars uh, an ounce. Uh, you know, there's a very strong case for developing that and uh, and um and you know undertaking further work there to see the extent of of the workings and and that's that's the great thing with modern mining technology you can now you can now look at these old historical workings so the the workers went so far but didn't have the tools or the or the uh the survey equipment to uh see if it extended any further we can now do that and so many uh, dormant projects are now coming back to life uh, because of that. And that's what makes the whole mining and exploration scene so exciting. Indeed, indeed. I mean, just before we move on, Alan, are, are you $1,800? Are you bullish on gold from here? Yeah, I, well, it's it, we've seen it consolidate. I, I think it's just been a period of consolidation for gold. And, uh, you know, the, the certainly the fortunes of the the uh, gold explorers have been largely reflected in the price, but um, but yeah, I, I am bullish. I, you know, gold is uh, gold is always uh, always in demand, and I think also um, you know it's 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 part of the it's part of the the new uh, the new energy uh, and technology industry, uh, as well as being a safe haven for investors. And I'm sure you know. I mean, you know, God forbid if this uh, if the uh, omicron, omicron virus does prove to me to be more potent and difficult to deal with, then you know that in itself could drive um, could drive a further recovering gold, perhaps back up to over two thousand dollars a ton. But uh, you know, gold isn't being bought up by governments around the world for no reason at all. You know, it's it's there because it's uh, it's a, it's an asset of safety. It's a tangible um, uh, it's it's has tangible value, and uh, it's it's a great it's a great store of value for. Um, for what for both individuals and for and for governments around the world fantastic so let's touch on the last company that we're going to look at today alan now it's ecr minerals one that regular listeners to the podcast will be familiar with and their pipeline of projects and assets that they're working on what's the the latest updates from ecr alan okay well uh listeners will know of course uh that uh about the sad and untimely death of the chief executive Craig Brown um, uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I've worked with Craig since 2017 in one way and another. Um, and, uh, you know, his death came as a shock because he was a mercurial character and drove the company from the front um, and was 
just had a unique uh, view on the assets that uh, ECR has. Um, nonetheless, now he's he has gone, and um, the team obviously David Tang, the chairman, Trevor Davenport, and Adam Jones, the uh, the directors, uh, and also other key members of staff at ECR are, um, are are moving the company forward. And despite Greg's sad death, the uh, the company's uh, flagship assets, uh, which of course based in Victoria in Australia in the Victoria Goldfields, uh, work is continuing apace. Um, the company raised two million pounds earlier this year, and it's uh, it's got uh, plenty of cash in the bank. Um, but part of the issue with the Victoria Goldfields is that um, because of the because of the uh, fertile nature of the region, a lot of landowners there are. Um, are, are, are not making necessarily making it difficult, but they are they are charging mining companies huge amounts of money, and you know in some cases being downright unreasonable um, about allowing access to land. So, with the cash in the company, Craig took the view that the best way to do it was to take advantage of a, a buoyant property market and to buy properties strategically within the licensed areas. So they have a a property uh, a, a near three hundred acre property. In Bayliston, close to the uh, uh, the Cherry Tree and HR three prospects, um, in uh, the Creswick project, they have uh, the Springmount Lane pro- um, uh, a property, which uh, is right on top of the the assets that Adam Jones, the geologist, was talking about the mineral shoots that uh, they've discovered there, and also um, in terms of the uh, the operational hub at Bendigo, where the core logging and uh, and uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, infrastructural and uh, and administration work takes place. That's being moved to a property they bought at uh, Sebastian, which uh, which also has a number of uh, has the opportunity to develop a number of uh, of buildings and assets on the land there too. So um, so that's very much progressing. But um, uh, in terms of moving the uh, the uh, the assets forward. Uh, drilling was undertaken at the HR3 assets, um, and there's some complex geology in the area that uh, Adam Jones explained to me in an interview last week, and uh, uh, shareholders will probably have seen that interview by now. But um, certainly um, the, uh, the whole 009 at HR3 um, produced, uh, produced 28 grams per ton uh, of gold uh, across a uh, at, uh, across a 0.7 meter uh, sample at 52 meters down um, and the, the the drilling work that's been undertaken has been undertaken at various angles to understand the folding geology and chairman david tang said you know that as a result of what the team had done the understanding of what they call the maori anticline there is growing uh, is growing rapidly so there are many more assay results due to come uh the teams are drilling down there um uh, and are pulling uh, core samples out of the ground and there is a big backlog of core sample work to report on so we're, we're expecting a lot more news uh, in the run-up to christmas and of course um in the new year uh, both from hr3 bayliston and of course Creswick. the company also has assets uh in has a, an asset in northern australia and queensland uh, um Owned by subsidiary Lux Exploration, which is um, which is near to uh, it, it's a it's a, a prolific mine for gold production. Also, this is um, this is in the Lulworth Range area, uh, which is um, uh, which is some two hundred uh, kilometres in land. Um, 
it's uh, uh, so, so that will be the the uh, permissions are being awaited for uh, uh, there as we go forward. There is also an asset in the Philippines, and there's progress with that too. Um, so there's an awful lot uh, that uh, uh, of news that um, I think will be upcoming in the coming uh, weeks and months. But certainly, you know, ECR share price has suffered with the general malaise in the markets, and I mean, the shares have now come back. You know, this is a company with about uh, three million quid in the bank. Uh, and these assets, uh, you know, late stage development assets being drilled. Um, and uh, the company is now worth just 11.2 million. So, uh, you know, a little more than uh, Lexington Gold, but with a, with a lot more uh, money in the bank and also um, a great deal more progress in terms of developing the, the, the key assets. So um, it looks very good value at this level. And hopefully if we see this uh, Santa Rally and upswing next year, then, ECR will be uh, will, will be uh, part of that rise. Yes, very sad news about the, the CEO. But from what you've outlined there, it looks as though he's laid uh, very strong foundations for uh, the, uh, the incoming CEO and, and chairman to take the the business forward. There, Alan, and I'm sure it's one that we're going to be discussing on the podcast again when we get further updates on ECR. So uh, a recap of the equities that we discussed today. Uh, first of all was EasyJet, trading under the ticker of EZJ. Uh, after that was Lexington Gold with a ticker of LEX. And just then was ECR Minerals, which of course has a ticker of ECR. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks very much, John. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 